Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Bernice. Thank you so much for listening to Devoted with Bernice. I hope that your time of reflection of what we talked about last week um, has really started to do a work in your life. We talked about um, how to discern the spirit of Jezebel in marriage. Um, You know, not everything that a spouse does is the influence of Jezebel. But after being repeated multiple times, the enemy can cause a spirit to come and dwell there. That's why it's important not to uh, be consistently uh, yielding to evil, consistently yielding to sin, because because sin will birth um, bondage. Sin will birth bondage, and that bondage can then turn into uh, something that you have a hard time overcoming, and that's when it's demonic. Remember that Paul said that the things I'm supposed to do, I don't do. The things I'm not supposed to do, that's what I do. Um, Doesn't mean that Paul had a spirit, but the thing is that the more you continue to allow the enemy to influence you, to uh, cause your, your, your sinful nature, which is your flesh, to be in charge, what happens is that uh, it causes the enemy to come in and dwell there. Now, what Paul was talking about was discernment, discerning that, yes, indeed, he has an issue, that the things that he's supposed to do, he doesn't do. The things that he's not supposed to do, he does do. And that's uh, showing that, you know, as children of God, we have to have discernment. Because if he did, he did not have discernment, he would not even realize that he's actually doing the things that he's not supposed to do. And he was, you know, highlighting the fact that we have a mortal body and our flesh and our our spirit are always in a war, right? The, it says in the Word of God that the the, the spirit is is uh, in a war with the with the with the body, and the body is in a war with the spirit, right? It is constantly fighting against each other it's enemy it's enmity against each other so um, that's what he was highlighting that you know in in circumstances in things that happen that he realized that the things that he's supposed to do as a child of God it's kind of difficult sometimes but the things that he's not supposed to do it's easier to do that he does do and it shows the humanity, you know, of being a child of God. That's why Jesus understands us because he knows that he knows how it is to be human because he was made into a man. And so everything that we have faced, he has faced it, but he has not sinned. He has not yielded to that temptation. He has not yielded to doing the things that he's not supposed to do. He's yielded to the spirit of the Lord. And so he does understand the human nature. Um, so I hope that you were getting the whole perspective of why we talked about, you know, Jezebel um, last week. And this week we're talking about children, how the enemy likes to enter children. The enemy likes to use children as a bait, okay, when it comes to Jezebelic tendencies. Now, again, uh, just because a child is behaving in that manner does not mean they have a spirit. Uh, but there are children who have spirits. I don't think that autism is just a scientific 
thing. Yes, God created science, but I believe that autism is a is a demon. Okay, there's a spirit of autism. There's a spirit of uh, a child having bipolar. Okay, those are not something that you should be like. Oh, you know, that's it's normal. No, it's not normal. If a child is behaving in a way that is out of the norm for a child, you know, children are silly, right? They, they do silly things. They, they, they behave in ways that are not wise because they are children, right? But as a parent, you should discern, like, this is not normal. You, you keep doing this or you keep behaving in this manner. You keep, you know, I've worked in a medical field with kids. Uh, I did an ADHD study where we're trying to find a blood test for ADHD because for kids to be diagnosed with ADHD, they have to be about like six or five before they can be clinically diagnosed because they're still maturing, you know, from that age, uh, that before that age. And so we do, you know, um, MSSB, which is basically a diagnostic mental health test that we do on kids. Uh, but in the research that I, I was part of, that I coordinated, uh, we wanted to find a, a blood test. You know how a, uh, HIV has a blood test? We wanted to find a blood test for, for ADHD for kids and also for adults um, solely to, to minimize the extensiveness of testing because the MSSB, the, um, the, the diagnostic testing uh, takes a long time, okay? And so to have a blood test, it's quick, it's easy. You take it to the lab. They do the diagnostic testing. They come, is it ADHD or not ADHD? Quick, right? Uh, and also, it, it causes lack of delay in diagnosing the child. And also trying to put them on Adderall and all the other uh, ADHD medications if they have to go on it. And it rules out other things, right? And so that's, so I'm familiar with mental health issues um, because I've been around it. I've done research on it. So... When I'm familiar with, you know, mental health issues, I'm also familiar with the Word of God. And I'm, feeling, I'm familiar with uh, deliverance, knowing about demons. And there are some things you know, this is not normal. This is a demonic spirit. You can cast out that spirit. You know, autism is a deaf and dumb spirit. We see that in, um, you know, it's also like epilepsy as well. It's a, deaf and, it's a deaf and dumb spirit. We see that in the word of God when the father brought the son to Jesus. To, first, he brought it to the disciples to cast out that spirit. And the disciples were not able to cast that spirit out. And Jesus rebuked them and said, some things cannot come out unto what? Prayer and fasting, right? And so what the Lord was saying is that this is a, 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 a demonic Thing. This is not something that can be easily uh, commanded to come out. You have to really go deeper and really go deeper in the spirit of fasting, really kill the flesh and really go into prayer to command that thing to leave. Okay. And so when you see kids with certain, certain uh, diagnostic mental health, certain things that has been diagnosed on them, that is not normal. It is a spirit. Okay. And that spirit was cast out by Jesus. Jesus asked the, the father, you know, questions about the child. And also, Jesus asked the, the spirit, what is your name, right? Uh, you know, Jesus knows how to cast out spirits. He asked spirits, like the man with the legions. He asked him, what is your name? But with the deaf and dumb spirit, he, 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 he was able to discern, this is a deaf and dumb spirit. 
And so he commanded a deaf and dumb spirit to leave that child. And the child went back to normal. I believe that if we are a praying generation, if we are a praying, um, you know, church, okay, uh, being in the children's ministry is not just there to come and make money and go. No, it's an assignment. It's a mandate that is placed upon you to be there. Even when you volunteer, when you work there, you're there to make, you are a change agent in the child's life. You know, it takes a community, it takes a village to, to raise a child. It does, okay? Uh, the parent has been prayer, okay, and fasting. If you're somebody who has a child that is dealing with mental health disorder, you need to go into fasting. You need to pray. You need to work, pray worship music. I have been around kids who have, who have um, autism. The moment you start to play worship, they start to scream. Why? Because the spirit in them does not like it. Demons hate worship. They hate it, Okay? There are other manifestations that come with the spread of autism and mental health disorder. You know, I've seen kids who have like um, uh, the spirit of anger. The spirit of anger manifests this way. They start to beat their chest or they start to beat something. And, you know, when you see your children uh, behaving in an angry way and, and hitting walls and, and beating their chest and having tantrums, you know, it, it, it's... Um, it's cute in the beginning, but if they keep doing that, the, the assignment of the enemy is to release a demon to come inside of them. And I know the word demon might, might, might sound very harsh and uh, uncomfortable for some parents to hear, but I have seen kids with spirits, in, with demons in them, okay? Autism is a demon, okay? Depression is a demon, okay? Uh, mental disorders, bipolar is a spirit, it's a demon, okay? And you can literally command that spirit to come out. You are the father. You are the mother of that child. You have authority over that child. You are given authority over that child. And you can command that spirit to leave by, call, by first telling the, the child to renounce the spirit. Okay, renounce it and break that, the, the, the generational curse. There are some things that stay because of generational curses, generational uh, hindrances generational issues okay it, it, it's passed on from generational to generation and you have to be the one to say no not on your child not on this one because this one is ordained this one is marked by the lord this one is chosen this one is called you have to stand on your ground so today we're talking about jezebel spirit i know i'm talking about different spirits that can be seen in kids but i'm i'm, I'm talking about this specifically because these spirits are are common you, you see this common in kids, okay? But parents are not able to discern Jezebel in kids. Um, and so we're going to talk about that today. Anyway, so let's take a moment to pray and uh, let the Lord lead us in this moment. Father, we thank you. Rebe so recata, discuto corre itorama, dire me cada batsukuri itokore isterema, deba soto, rama soko rebe sete katayana, ni erebe su rama te kayabasoto. Father, we thank you, Rekatayama, ro rebe sokoye eramataya. We thank you, God, and we exalt your name in this moment. Holy Spirit, have your way, rebe soto na ikarabataya. We exalt you in this time, oh yes, Lord, and we welcome you here. Have your way in this moment. I pray for the 
unction of the Holy Spirit to come in this place. Father, we thank you for the time that you've allowed us to come together. You say wherever two or three are gathered in your name, you are there. And so Holy Spirit, have your way in this moment. I saturate this time with the blood of Jesus and I thank you that you are God and you sit high and you look low. Yes, indeed, you are the God of the angel armies. You are the bomb in Gilead. Yes, indeed, you are El Shaddai. You are all consuming one, the one that we serve, the one that we exalt above all. Oh, yes, you, you are exalted above principalities, about, above kingdoms. You are God all by yourself. You are exalted. You are Jehovah Gabor. Yes, indeed, you are the Ancient of Days, and we celebrate you, Adonai. We exalt your name, and we reverence you because you deserve it, God. And so, Father, we thank you for covering us. We thank you for shielding us. We thank you for being a father in our lives. We thank you for covering us. We thank you for being a shelter in time of trouble. We thank you, God, for being a Jehovah Nisi, the banner over our lives. We thank you for being the line of Judah. Oh, yes, we thank you for being the line of Judah that rose that condemns the assignment of the enemy and so as we come together to pray and to worship and to seek your word we pray the lord let this word touch on solid ground let this word be a light that will shine upon the hearts of the children and even the hearts of uh, teachers and, and leaders in the kids ministry in the ministry of children father and in the parents as well i pray you expose the assignment of the enemy during this time uh, that you will be triumphant upon all Oh, God, I pray for your covering upon every ministry of children ministry. God, that you will send your anointing in the room, in the children ministries, upon every church that is listening at this time. That you will shift the, 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 the mindset of the leaders in the church, Lord. That there will be those that will come first in prayer. Yes, There will be those that will first come in prayer into the ministry. That will come and uh, move authorities of the assignment of the enemy out and bring your authority into fruition. God, I pray even now that, Lord, the things that are in the kids' ministry will start to move in your plans, in your ways, in your, in your function, God. I pray for order, yeah, apostolic order into the ministries of children that are listening right now and the leaders the teachers give them fresh anointing fresh wisdom fresh knowledge fresh understanding fresh tenacity god enlighten them in the places places that they're dead ah revive them in the places that they're dead god bring a shifting oh yes a shifting into that ministry right now Oh, God, I pray for every child that is in the ministries that, Lord, you will You will cover them from every weapon of the enemy. Place a shield of faith over them. That every, oh, to quench every diabolical assignment, every fiery dart of the enemy is quenched now. In the name of Jesus. Yes, indeed, they are vessels uh, that have been chosen even before the time, the, the, the beginning of time. They are those that are going to be engineers. Yes, they are those that are going to be teachers. Some of them are going to be well-known chefs, Lord, owners of businesses. 
ministers, apostles, deliverance, uh, delivering ministers, Lord. They're going to be inventors, evangelists. They're going to be those that will go into the sector of ministry, a sector of marketplace. Oh, yes, they will be apostles. They will be prophets. They will be professors. They will be doctors. Oh, yes, they will be governors, senators. They will be change agents, Lord, in the world. In the name of Jesus, I pray over these children. And so, God, I pray the Lord you will unveil what it is that has been covered by the enemy. Oh, I ask the Lord, just as Elijah said, open, open his eyes that he may see. I pray the Lord you will open the eyes of the leaders, open the eyes of the parents, that they will be able to see. God, give us discernment, Father. Just as Jesus was able to have discernment to cast out that them and deaf and dumb spirit out of that child. Give us that faith that we need to be able to cast our spirits out of the children that are bound. Lord, give us that faith that we need. Help us to rise up in faith. We bless your holy name. And we pray for your breath, Lord, to just pour upon your children. Just as Jesus prayed over the kids, Lord. Pray over your kids, Lord. Pray over your kids. Release your breath over your kids. Breathe over them, Adonai. Yes, we need your breath. We need your breath. We need your breath upon them, God. Fill every place that is empty within them. In the name of Jesus, I saturate this moment with the blood of Jesus. I yield myself to you, Lord. Everything in me is yielded to you. I am open to you, Adonai. Holy Spirit, have your way. Let everything that come out of my mouth be edified by you, God. Oh, I thank you and I bless your holy name. It's in the name of Jesus we, we, we shield this moment with the blood of Jesus. Amen.
That was a song by William McDowell. Um, I call him Apostle William McDowell. But anyway, he is so anointed. These two men of God that I've been in the presence of, and I've been in the presence of a lot of anointed vessels of God, but this song that you just listened to is called There Is A Sound. From the beginning, you just like, you can't help it but pray in tongues. Every time I hear the, the song, I start to pray in tongues. Anyway, I remember when he came to my church, my previous, one of my previous churches. And when he came, um, you know, sometimes God will not give you a sermon. He will just give you um, an assignment to just talk and then he will come in. One thing about preaching is that if the Holy Spirit doesn't come with you, you are just wasting your time, literally. And so he said, you know, when he came, God told him, I want you to just preach, just start talking, and um, I will come. The Holy Spirit will come. And when I tell you when the Holy Spirit came, Lord, it was such a room filled with just anointing. Like you could hear people moaning and groaning in the realm of the Spirit. You can hear. I was just, all I, all I could do was just cry and say, thank you, Jesus. I said, thank you, Jesus. Cried and screamed, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Like repeatedly for at least like 20 to 30 minutes straight. The Holy Spirit came over me and people were like on the floor. Every single body in that place felt the Spirit of the Lord. Like everyone had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit visited every single one. People were on the floor. People were crying. It was such a presence of God. That was like the, well, that's like the second time I've been in his presence. But, but that was like um, a, uh, an, an, a, a, a visitation of the Lord. That was like a set moment that you could feel like I could go back in time and just realize how profound and such anointing was in that room during that time. You cannot just come out of that time and just not remember it. You know how the Bible talks about a stone of rem remembrance? This was a stone of remembrance. Like I would always remember that in that moment of encounter with the Lord during that time. And afterwards, my, my voice was gone. Everybody's voice was gone because we were all like, when you, when you encounter the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit come over you, you, you do things that you don't, you don't really like have control over, you know, sometimes of course, you know, you do have control over, but sometimes it just over, overwhelms you, you know, and that was the encounter. And the other person that I've been in, in, in his presence was Apostle Matthew Stevenson. Oh my God. Like when I tell you that man of God is anointed he is anointed. He is called to activate the gift of people, literally. Like we, I was at City of Praise Church in Maryland. And literally, like, when he took up the mic and he started to preach, he, was, he, he just started to pray. And when he started to pray, the anointing of the Lord just, you could feel the presence of angels in the room. You could literally, everybody was, every, everybody, people who, who had like, like the gift of dance, started to dance. 
people who had, who had the gift to lay hands and pray and prophesy. I was prophesying on people. Like, I was going around praying for people, prophesying. There was this girl who was standing there. I could never, I would never forget this. She was standing there. You could tell. I, I saw her, like, dancing in, in the room of the Spirit. I saw her dancing in the room of the Spirit. And you could see her, like, moving around, like, moving about you know, slightly, and I'm like, I went up to her, the Holy Spirit was like, go up to her, and go tell her, you want to dance, don't you, and she's like, yeah, I'm like, be free, girl, let your gifts move, as the Holy Spirit tells you, and literally, like, within five minutes, she was dancing prophetically, I, it was just beautiful, like, people were manifesting in their gifts, and of course, there are some people who were manifesting, you know, with demons, and they were cast out, but, the room was so heavy with the spirit of lord like i have never been in such a room with such anointing in that room it was so annoying it was like a thick thick veil of the holy spirit in the room like it was the anointing was so thick like i don't think that it lifted off I didn't go, you know, uh, uh, the next day for the service. But I think, I really believe that the Spirit of the Lord was just dwelled there for a while. It was such, and there are people who said they were in the parking lot, they could feel the Spirit of the Lord, even there. He is anointed, anointed, anointed vessel. Anyway, so today we're talking about um, perversion, you know, series. We're looking at Jezebel which is basically the doorpost, uh, the doorway to perversion. She is the one that the enemy uses to cause people to fall into temptation, to fall into uh, idol worship, to fall into perversion, to fall into things that are not of God. Uh, wherever there's perversion, there's a Jezebel spirit. They're feeding that spirit. Um, we see the spirit of Jezebel uh, in Delilah, you know, causing Samson to come out of the place where God wanted him, where he lost the very thing that he needed to be able to overcome the enemy. That's what Jezebel does. It cuts off your hair. <laughs> it literally cut off your anointing, okay? Um, so today we're talking about how you can discern Jezebel and kids. Um, I want you to take up your Bibles, I wanted to talk about dreams, but I will talk about that. Mm, let me see. Let me talk about that right now. All right. So I want to talk about dreams for a minute. So I'm just going to encourage somebody with, with this uh, short message. The Lord wanted me to talk about before I start. So um, as I was getting ready for this time of teaching, you know, there, there's different styles in teaching. There's teaching, um, styles of teaching. There are people who holler and teach. There are people who are calm and teach um, in a different type of preaching. I take my time to teach. I don't holler. Um, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with, you know, hollering. But when it comes to teaching, everybody who's, who, who has anointing to teach, they take their time to teach, you know. Because we, we want you to be able to take the word and actually invest it in your life and really hear what we are saying. So sometimes I might take a while to, to pronounce certain things or say certain things because um, I'm listening to God as I'm talking, you know. It's a dual thing. I'm listening, I'm talking, and listening, and I'm seeing things that the Lord is showing me. 
and it's not just me that you know experience these things there are people who are well-known teachers that when they teach god is talking to them you know i think god will change their teaching completely than what they studied uh, most of the time is because what they studied was for them not for the people so when god gets to teaching the people he changes it a little bit um and you know they're getting visions they're hearing god they're sensing things in their in the room so you know um we take our time to teach because the bible says that those that teach are the ones that are going to be trialed the most and they're going to be judged the most by god right um so dreams i want to i want to talk about dreams dreams are very important and people think that you know joseph and daniel and jacob you know jacob with the ladder of you know the ladder with the angels ascending and descending and joseph dreaming about you know the stars and the moon bowing down and all of that you know symbolic of his his family going to later on bow down to him and he's him going to be right risen up as a king pharaoh dreaming of you know the 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 days of plenty and the days of famine um uh you know um daniel interpreting dreams he had a a a gift to understand in the revelation and mysteries of dreams right and of knowledge um and even when god spoke to joseph the the husband of mary you know in the dream so and even when the wise men were warned by god in a dream to take another route you know dreams are very important to god do not ever think that god does not still speak in dreams he does to to this day and to the days to come he will always talk in dreams okay um i would do a teaching on dreams later on god has put that on my heart to do that but i want to encourage you guys to really take your dreams seriously and god talks in dreams okay um there are dreams of divine assignment they are diabolical dreams and they are flesh dreams okay your dreams when your flesh actually bring up those things let let's say that you want you you really want to get a purse that you saw at the market or you really want to get a car and then you find yourself the next day dreaming about yourself in the car i would say that 80% of the time that dream is not from the lord that's your flesh because you wanted that okay um and people who always say oh i dreamt women who always say i dreamt and in the dream i saw that i was getting married to that man and he's my husband pause 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 because sometimes when we fascinate about a man that we like or if you're a man and you fascinate you 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 think about a woman that you like you are bound to dream about that person because you are thinking about them continuously and that sometimes flesh dreams okay and sometimes it might be marine spirit dreams and i'm not going to get into marine spirits uh that's a whole another teaching but um people who find themselves having a hard time giving birth or having a husband or a wife if you're a man a wife you might want to investigate what marine spirits are cuz they come in your dream room you know people who dream of having sex a lot in your dreams that's not god that's not right that is not god at all you need to stop praying and fasting and rebuking that spirit okay um that's not god at all cuz god does not send sexual dreams 
there are dreams of destiny okay just dreams of destiny mostly come to those that are called into a set a certain mountain of influence uh people who are called into pastoring or into the fivefold ministry which is apostles prophets pastors teachers evangelists um they tend to have dreams of des- destiny dreams okay and destiny dreams are like dreams when you if you're a pastor you 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 know you start to dream that before you become a pastor you start to dream and you see yourself at a pulpit preaching or or you see yourself walking up to a pulpit or you see yourself holding a bible god is or you see yourself holding a microphone god is trying to tell you what your your assignment is sometimes there are people who are called into deliverance they will see themselves casting out demons in your dream realm okay uh, those are dreams. God is telling you about your destiny. Uh, some people might find themselves in in the marketplace selling things. That's that's God t- trying to tell you you have a marketplace anointing, meaning that you you you're called into to to uh, birth businesses. Okay. Uh, you might I have had dreams where I've seen people's destinies, and I've told them, you know, there's like one person that her destiny was to mentor people, women. So I saw in the dream she was sitting there, and around her were like women sitting around listening to her okay and i called her and i told her i'm like hey this is a dream that i had about you and you know you don't only dream about yourself but you can dream about other people too god god does that okay he sent things in dreams and i and god wanted to let you know that he is you know uh encountering people in dreams in this season he is speaking to his children in dreams uh, and so I called her and I told her, hey, this is what I saw you do. And I, this is the interpretation of this dream. You know, dream interpretation comes from the Lord. Just as Joseph said in the word of God in Genesis, doesn't dream interpretation come from God? It comes from God when he was trying to interpret the dreams of the baker and the cup bearer. So when you dream and you don't understand it, ask God, go first to the Lord and go to the Bible. God will give you um you know, Bible verses. He will he will show you where to read, what to to look at, and it will directly speak to the dream that you're having. Or he will give you understanding of it as you as you as you pray. And if you don't understand it, just start praying in tongues. There is something called dream language. Okay, Daniel had dream language. Joseph had dream language. It's a gift that God gives to his children. The more you start to write down your dreams, the more you start to understand it and seek the Lord, you will start to have dream language and people will come to you. People have come to me with their dreams and I've been able to interpret it with the Holy Spirit, not in my own might, but with the Holy Spirit and with the word of God. Okay. Um, One thing that God is telling me to share is that when you are a dreamer, the enemy can come in with diabolical dreams, okay? They are diabolical dreams. Dreams when you, you find yourself being chased, that is not of God, you know, by animals. You, you find yourself eating a lot in your dreams. That is not God either, okay? That is not God. You want to pray about that. Uh, dreams of having sex, that is not of God. Dreams of getting married in your dream, that is not God. Uh, there are times where it could be the Lord, but 10% of the time, I would say it's God. But 90% of the time when you're finding yourself having a family in your dream, having children, uh, having a husband, or if you're a man, having a wife, sleeping with them, that is not God. Uh, If your dream is dark, you know, if your dream, if you wake up and you you don't feel good, you wake up and you're screaming, Jesus, you you don't feel comfortable in your dream, that is not God either, okay? 
um, I will do a dream series after this perversion series. This perversion series has taken a long time. Um, normally, I do I do series like a month or two months the most, but this has taken a while. And I know God is doing something in people's lives. Um, but anyway, doing this this series, I want you to pray for me. Keep me in prayer because, you know, the enemy is not happy with this series at all. <laughs> and I see that. So keep me in prayer. Continuing with this dream, uh, I would say three things when it comes to dreams. Um, if you are a dreamer, get a journal with you. I think that most pastors are dreamers. God talks to them in dreams um, and in visions. They might not tell you <laughs> because most of them, um, they have a different, every church has a different mandate. You know, not every church is apostolic. Every church should be apostolic, but some churches are not there yet. They have not matured to that part yet. Or um, the pastor or the leader uh, has a, a call to reach beginners. And then there are other churches that are called to reach um, those that are not just wanting milk, but they want the meat of the word. I believe that every church should serve the meat of the word and the milk of the word. Uh, that there should be some kind of apostolic um, ministry within that ministry where people who have matured from the milk can then graduate into the meat of the word you know um they should have a balance right of the meat and the milk of the apostolic and the evangelism right the five word ministry should be in the church um so when it comes to dreams pastors have dreams right um Put up a, a, a book next to you and write your dreams down. You can put it on your phone. You can put it in your book. However, you, you scribe. If you're a dreamer, you have to have a scribing anointing because guess what? You have to write everything down And if because you don't remember everything. The dream leaves you, right? Within a couple minutes or a couple hours, you're not going to remember every detail. And so when you get up, you write it down when you remember. There are some times where when you get up, you don't remember. And that's the enemy trying to stop you. So what you do is you lay down for a little while, a little while put on worship or put on instrumental worship um, and just lay there. OK, and then tell the Holy Spirit to help you to remember. Sometimes if it, it still hasn't come after five minutes, stop praying in tongues. It will start to come. You start to remember majority of time. Those specific dreams that you have a hard time remembering are destiny dreams or diabolical dreams that the enemy has done something in the dream room. Okay, that you need to pray against. Um, so write them down. Write them down. Every detail. You know, um, if you if you remember, just if it, you know, in dreams, God will highlight something to you. God will highlight something to you. Sometimes you will dream, and all you remember is the flowers that you saw, the yellow flowers that you saw. And then within that week, you will see yellow flowers when you are at a certain place. And God is trying to tell you there, there are dreams where there are people who have the gift of knowledge. Okay. There are people who are, who are, who are prophets when they meet you. Okay. When they go to sleep, they will dream about you. God will reveal so much things to them. Now, the thing is God does not reveal things to people who are prophetic or pastors or apostles or evangelists or teachers or pastors. He doesn't reveal it to them just to reveal it to them. Um, God is, you know, the Bible says that God does nothing unto what he reveals it to his prophets, right? He doesn't, he, he shares his secrets with his prophets. He reveals things to his prophets. Um, 
God will never tell anybody something that he doesn't want them to know. And if he tells them, it means that he trusts them to hold on to that thing. So there are people who have the gift of knowledge. They, might, they will meet you, but they will, not, they will not discern anything. But when they go to bed, they will dream about you. And they will see everything they were supposed to know about you. Now, when they know, they, they know to pray or to, to know something about you that they need to, to later on use to help you. Okay. And there are people who have the gift of knowledge. When they meet you, they just know things about you. As you're talking, they're, they're seeing things, they're hearing things, they're discerning things. Uh, and they're knowing things. So dream realm is very important to the Lord. There are books called, uh, there are books that you can read about the dream realm. Uh, the book called The Seer talks about dreams by James Gall. There's the dream language by James Gall. You can look at that. But the first person you should go to is, is the Holy Spirit when it comes to dreams, okay? And the Bible. All right? Um, so those are the things that you should think about. I will give my own testimony. I remember uh, I kept having, when I was little, I would dream. I had a dream where my uncle was coming from Africa to U.S. And it was like a couple days before he came. I think it was the day before he came. Yeah. The day before he came, I, was, I think I was 14. And I had a dream where I saw him at the airport and he was sitting in a room with a glass by himself. And I saw people go in the room and come out like, you know, um, what you could call it. Um, I saw like a police people, like d- detectives go in and come out. And so I woke up and I was like, oh my, what is going on? It didn't feel right for me. It didn't feel well to me, you know. I felt like he was in trouble or something. And so I prayed. I prayed. And at that time, you know, I was like 14-year-old girl. Don't really know much about dreams or about prayer. So I just prayed, Lord, please protect him. Help him. I don't know what's going on. Just help him, God. And that was simply like a simple prayer. You know, I didn't go in tongues. I wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit at that time. But I was seeing in my dreams. And so I told my mom. And my mom just, you know, kept it to herself. And the next day... My uncle was coming to U.S. and he was detained. He was put into the airport for hours. And the thing was, my uncle, what he was wearing, I saw exactly what he was wearing in the dream. He was wearing chains. He was, he's very flamboyant. So I think they thought, you know, he had drugs or something in him. So they wanted to have him sit there and see what would happen. So, um... When the, day came, when the day came, he was detained at the airport for a long time, okay? And eventually they realized that, you know, there's nothing going on with him. He's not hiding anything, so they let him go. And when he came home, I saw him in his outfit. I was just like, my mouth was just like dropped. I'm like, oh my God. I saw him wearing black and, you know, a chain, a gold chain. And exactly what he was wearing was what I saw. So why am I sharing this? I'm showing this because we're talking about kids, okay? Kids are anointed, even at a little age. I believe that a child's prayer is more prophetic and more, you know, anointed than an adult prayer, honestly, because they are kids, you know, they don't, they don't know right from wrong. They have not seen like us. So God hears kids more than I think he hears many of us adult people. Um, so when your kids come to you and they tell you they're dreaming about certain things, Take it seriously. Don't just brush it aside. 
the 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 horrible thing we would do is just brush it aside because you're not helping them grow in your gift one and if that is something that is not godly they can see children have a sense they they have a, a knowing they, they can sense you know people they know when they don't feel comfortable with somebody you should pay attention to those things okay so your kids dreaming is important it's very important you want to encourage them to come to you and tell them and tell you about their dreams and then take it to them you know take it to the lord in prayer uh and pray with them about it as well you know and also as adults you do you do dream too because i remember when i told the lord i wanted to get a, a new car and god blessed me with the car but the thing is after for like three weeks i was having dreams of accident like I, I kept seeing myself hitting a white car like a white truck and i'm like what's going on i kept rebuking it i prayed against it i kept having dreams about it. and that was the lord telling me bernice i am going to bring you a car but how i'm going to do it it's not how you're thinking i'm going to do it somebody needs to shout right there because somebody is listening right now and god is trying to tell you how he's going to do what he, he's telling you he's going to do it's not how you think he's going to do it and so what happened was that uh after like a couple weeks the dream stopped and then I had an accident and I saw the white car. I hit a white car in the natural. And that was God, you know, dream of warning one, two, a dream of direction. And he was trying to tell me what's going to happen. That, hey, I'm warning you this was going to happen. But guess what? I'm in it. My car was totaled. I didn't even realize what, what happened. Like, I literally, like, the car hit me, shifted me from there where i was to the incoming cars and by the grace of god the incoming cars were stopped so not the incoming cars did not hit me it moved me all the way from where i was to the other lane to the side lane so i moved like across the whole street and so i my car got to like a um, a church my car moved next to a church I got out and I saw this church and I didn't realize what happened. I remember all I said was Jesus in my car and I found myself next to a church. And so I got out and then the guy came and his eyes was just like wide open. And I looked at my car. That's when it hit me. That's when I, all the emotions started to come. And I felt, I cried. And I was like, oh my God, thank you, Jesus. Like, I didn't know what was happening until I saw my car. My car was total. I couldn't even, like, spark my car. I couldn't even, like, turn it on. And I realized that the guy who hit me was actually, like, a guy who owned chains of uh, McDonald's. He owned some of McDonald's. So he was, like, a millionaire. So he blessed me like literally he paid for my car he paid for medical expenses which nothing happened to me i came out with nothing no scratch nothing and i got money to buy a new car okay so how god is going to do what he tells you he's going to do is not how he's going to do it and sometimes he will give us clues in a dream so i want you to pay attention to your dream realm okay that you do dream if you don't dream, then you need to stop praying in tongues at least 30 minutes before you go to bed, okay? Um, there are spirits. I know, you know, I keep talking about spirits, but look, we fight not against flesh and blood, okay? There are things in the heavenly places, 
I did not call myself to deliverance. The Lord literally thrust me into deliverance. Um, there are spirits. Not everything is spirit. But there are spirits that actually come to remove your dreams. They are called dream snatchers. Okay? Um, dream blockers. Just as the Bible says that, you know, when we learn about the word of God, the enemy comes to, sometimes comes to take it away out of your mind. The enemy try to come and remove it from your mind, right? So they are the same. They are mind, dream blockers, dream snatchers. Um, so you have to pray in tongues. You know, the praying in tongues is important because when you don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit will say it for you, Okay. So that's a little snippet of what dreams are. So I want us to just listen to this song, and then we're going to teach about the kids, um, Jezebel, deciding Jezebel and kids. Now, again, not every child that manifests in tantrums has a Jezebel spirit. I just want to make that clear. Just because a kid is having a tantrum, having a, a tantrum in the marketplace or in the grocery store, you don't go tell the, the mother, oh, your child has Jezebel because Brittany said there's a Jezebel spirit that comes with children who act in tantrums. No. Continuously, over time, if it's something, something that they cannot control, it's controlling them, then you need to stop praying. So let's listen to this song and then um, listen to the teaching. It's going to be a short teaching about kids. And then I'm going to pray deliverance for those that want to be delivered from Jezebel's spirit, because this is the end of the Jezebel spirit. And then the next teaching will be control, self-control. Self-control concerning pornography and masturbation, how to overcome that, okay? I know I haven't talked about how, uh, how to be delivered from homosexuality. I've talked about that, but I've not prayed and commanded the spirit to come out. I'm going to do that at the end of the series because there are a lot of things that are connected to homosexuality. Pornography is connected to homosexuality, okay? So I'm taking it at a time. I'm, I'm slowly letting the Lord tell me what to do with this teaching. This teaching has been the longest teaching I've ever had to do. <laughs> and I don't teach like every week. I teach once a month. Because I'm trying to get more from the Lord and what to say. Okay. So I'm, I thank you for being patient with me. If you're somebody going through deliverance through this teaching. Thank you for being patient. You're going to be rewarded. Okay. God, is, God hears you. He knows your heart. And he knows your, um, your need, your desire to be free. Deliverance is like salvation. Okay. It's not something that is forced you have to want it you have to want it like how you want jesus right you have to want it and so let's listen to the song and uh then go into the teaching you want god to have it all i need somebody to open your mouth lift up your hands and tell god to have it all father come on this is a perfect moment to dump everything you've been carrying for the last seven days and lay it at the altar of god and say god have it all Father, take my sorrow, take my pain, take my shame, take everything, God, that is unlike you, God. Take it out of us now, God. We declare that you can have it all. Somebody open your mouth and say, have it all, God. Come on. 
Shape me, Father. Make me over again, Lord God. Come on, this is a corporate worship right here. I dare you to open your mouth and tell God to shape me. Come on. He can have it all. Somebody's on the edge of your breakthrough right now. The breaker. The king. He's here to put you on the potter's wheel again. You may be broken, but he can make you over again. All I need is about 18 people that will tell God, Father, have it all right now, Father. Have it all, God. Woo! I feel the Holy Ghost in this atmosphere this morning. Have it all, God. You can have everything, God, that is unlike me, Father. You can have it all right now, God. You can take my shame. You can take my pain. You can take my frustration. Father, take it all. Take it all. Take it all, Lord. So take my praise. We give it all to you right now, Lord. You can have it all, Father. You can have it all, Father. You can have it all. Every hand lifted. Father, we declare and decree in this atmosphere now, God. That we're releasing ourselves, Jesus. We're taking everything, God, that is unlike your Father, and we're pouring it out now. We're landing on the altar, Lord God. Father, areas of our lives, God, that is unlike your Lord God, you can make us over again now, Jesus. Father, the areas that are broken, God, you can take us and you can mold us now, Father. Father, I speak now, God, to a marriage and to a relationship, Lord God, that feels like it's crumbling, it's falling apart, God. We declare that you can take it now, Father, and mold it, God. God, I speak now, God, to somebody in this atmosphere. God that has a health problem now Father and the doctors have given up on them. we ask God that you will take our health now God you will put it in your hands we believe that you are a miracle worker we believe that you can heal bodies we believe you can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ever ask or think according to the power that works within us Lord God God you can have it all Father have our praise have our worship have our exaltation we magnify you we make you bigger than our circumstances Bigger than our situation Father, have it all, God Have it all, God Take depression Take oppression Take depression You can have it all Father, take it now Make it over, Lord Have it all I feel breaking in this atmosphere Take it, Lord Welcome back, guys. This is Bernice. You're listening to Devoted. So we listened to the song Have It All by uh, Fresh Start Fresh Fresh Start Worship. <laughs> Fresh Start Worship. Anyway, um, before the break, I was talking about dreams, how it's important to really scribe down your dreams, take it seriously, because God's still speaking dreams. Even for me personally, um, I've had dreams where I, I received money in my dreams. I woke up, I looked at my bank account because I was having faith to see immediate um, breakthrough, right? To see that the dream that I had, God actually did it. And so I got up um, from bed, I opened my, 
my bank account on my mobile. I looked at it, and guess what? There was money in there. God blessed me with money. So, and you know, I was expecting to get money, but I wasn't expecting it that fast. And God allowed the money to come just in time when I needed to like pay certain things. So, know that you know, God is still speaking in dreams. He's not stopped. He talks to us so many different ways. You know. Um, through dreams, visions, audible, through His Word, you know He will give you a Bible verse. Like even for me, I was at a uh, church and I I heard a Bible verse in my spirit and I opened it up and it's about when Jesus was at a cross and He told one of the one of the disciples to behold Mary, to behold His you know His mother, and He told His mother to behold the disciple, you know. Uh, and that was God speaking about the fact that there are people in the room that they were experiencing sadness, you know, experiencing certain things that they've lost or, you know, that they need uh, someone to just behold them, to hug them, to love on them. Because the Bible says that you will know them by what? Not by how much they, you know, uh, they give you money or how much they, they tell you that you're going to do this or going to do that, you know, by their love by the love that they have in your heart for each other, right? That's what God says. And so today we're talking about, you know, how to discern Jezebel's spirit in children. And many people would say, oh, that's a little extreme, don't you think? Well, guess what? Demons don't care. They don't, they don't care if you, you, you know, it's a little girl or it's a little boy. They, have, they don't care at all. All they want to do is get in a place. They want to have a place that they can dwell. Remember when Jesus met the man with the uh, legions of demons, guess what? The, the demons in the man said, can you please just put us in the pigs, right? They needed a place to go immediately. So it's important that you pray over your kids. And when your kids come to you with dreams, with nightmares, and they're saying this, they're seeing this, or they, you know, experiencing this, something is following them in their dreams, or they feel like, you know, they, they, there is something in the room. You got to believe it and stop praying and anoint the room. Because God, I, you know, I work with kids. So I know um, I serve faithfully in my church. And one thing I've realized is that kids, they have a discernment. They really do. They can discern, like, can I trust this person? They have, God has put in them. You know, they, when you look at them, they have innocence. But that innocence is actually discernment. They actually know how to look at you and say, I don't know if I can trust you. I don't really feel like I can trust you. Because the Bible says that, you know, do not despise these little ones because your angels come before the Lord. Okay, so uh, they, they know how to discern. They know how to feel like there's something going on. And so uh, when they come to you and tell you about those things, really, really take them seriously. Because it's important to really listen to your children because they need to be listened to. Sometimes, you know, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Sometimes, you know, um, all, you, all they need from you is to listen to them. Yeah, they might not make sense. They might not really have issues like we adults do. But just listening to them can really change their mood, can change even how they feel about themselves. And one thing the Holy Spirit was reminding me of is as I was talking, I remember I went to, um, I went to Panera Bread uh, to get some work done. I think it was like three years ago. I just had like a flashback to it. Um, and I was sitting there, you know, 
uh, I was basically building my website, uh, creating my, web- my website from scratch. And as I was sitting there doing my, doing my work, um, ministry work, the Holy Spirit told me, like, look to your right. I look, and I saw this little girl, you know, with little pigtails, and her father was sitting right in front of her. And they were having a father-daughter date. You know, that's where the Holy Spirit put impressed on me that they were having a father-daughter date. And the dad was sitting there listening to the child talk. And you could discern the child was not talking about anything that was, you know, remotely, like, really uh, intelligent or really, um, you know, rev- you know, have revelation or very important thing that, he, you know, she was talking about. And she was probably looking like she was like five. You know, she wasn't talking about deep things, you know, but she was probably talking about, like, you know, colors and ABCs and, you know, Johnny at her school that likes to, you know, um, I don't know, take her pen. Something that's not deep. But the dad was listening to her in such a way that his attention, his focus was so much on her and listening to everything, like literally engulfing everything that she was saying to him. He did not look at his phone. He was listening to her the whole time, laughing with her. And that is something that God does with us. He listened to us. So most of the things that we talk about to the Lord, it's a little before him. He's like, you're worrying about your, you know, that thing in your marriage. Like, there's a bigger issue, right? Like, many of us are worrying about, you know, such of food in this country. But there are, like, people in Ukraine dying, right? Even though, like, we have, you know, little issues of, you know, gas going up and all that, God, God still listens to our prayer when we pray to him about those little things. In comparison to somebody who's in, like, in Ukraine who's, you know, going through war, like, having bombs being blasted nearby, you know, God still, like, like the man, God still um, position himself in a way that he still listens, like he still uh, pays complete attention to each and every one of us. Do you, have, do you know how many billions of children, billions of people in this world that God still listens to each and every one of our prayers? They're even the ones that are silly to us, right? Like God, uh, you know, we will say, God, I'm going to the market. Please take me safely to the market. I come against every accident in the name of Jesus. Help me get there safely. You know, those little things, God still listens. And that's how we are supposed to be with our kids. We have to listen even if it's not smart or even if we are going through our own issues. You know, as somebody who serves in ministry, in kids' ministry, there are things like, you know, the kids will, will ask me or will say. And it's silly, you know, it seems silly, but I, I engulf myself into it. You know, I, I lead a um, small group, and one of the things the kids would, I ask them, hey, you know, uh, what is your favorite, um, you know, snack? Because we wanted to get a chance to get to know each other and, you know, break the ice and all that because they're, like, new people in, in the group. So I'm asking every one of them, what is your favorite snacks? And they all said uh, Turkish. is like this snack called Turkish, T-A-R-K-I-S. And I was like whoa, okay, everybody really liked this snack. And so I asked them, what is it in this snack that they like? They're like, it's so good. And, I'm, and I told them, I'm going to try it. 
I told them I was going to try it. So I looked on my phone right there and I asked them to show me, is this the right snack they were talking about? And they were all like, yeah, yeah, it is. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to try it. So a week later, I went to the store and I got it and I tried it. Let's just say it's not a snack for adults. <laughs> it was not good. It did not taste healthy at all. But at their age, and even at my age when I was their age, or even your age when you were their age, we didn't eat you know, healthy snacks. Nobody's eating no you know, Cheerios for your heart to help your heart. Nobody's eating no you know, apples and, and peanut butter or um, almond butter. No. They were eating candy and things that were disgusting, you know, but I tried it and, you know, and I told him I'm, I'm going to try it. So I engulfed myself in your world. And that's what we have to do as parents. That's what we have to do as, you know, leaders in ministry, in church, because God does that with us. He engulfed his, himself in our lives. He literally loves us to be individually different. You know, you, you, do you really think that the, 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 the taste of, you know, uh, art or the taste of certain things that you like that maybe your friend or your family member doesn't like, do you think that's, that's just something that's, you know, uh, out of the blue? No, God himself put it there because he knows you more than you know yourself. And he said, even to Jeremiah, I knew you before you were from in your mother's womb. He knew you. He knew your likes, your dislikes. He knew that you like pink. He knew that you like blue. He knew it. And he likes that. He likes that, that you like things that are rich or things that, that look earthy. You know, he likes that because it makes you you. And he, he knew that you would like that as well. Okay. So as parents, we have to celebrate individuality of the children. You know, somebody who served in the kids ministry, I celebrate the kids when they say that they like, you know, I asked them one time, what is something weird that you eat? You know, and many of them like, ew, that's nasty. That's not, oh, I would never eat that. But I'm like, that's what they like, right? So we got to celebrate kids' individuality. And you, as a parent, you have to listen to your child. They might not say something that's smart. You might be busy trying to add up your expenses or even put together an Excel sheet. Just taking that five minutes out of your day and just saying, you know what, I just want to listen to your day. How was your day? What did you do that was fun? What did you do that was not fun? What did you learn today? What, you know, how did you exercise the fruit of the spirit today? You know, when, when somebody took your pen, did, did you have self-control or did you just hit them? You know, did you do something crazy? No. So you got to ask them those questions, you know, because it, it really gives them trust because one thing about you know, um, parenting is that what I've seen with kids as I talk to them, you know, I serve and I talk to them, they love to be able to trust the people that they're with, their parents. Okay. You know, I ask them, what is their favorite thing that they, they, they like, you know, what is their favorite thing that they have experienced with their parents? And majority of them said things that are not like money oriented, that are not like, things that might seem as a big thing for parents. One of them said her mother threw water on her to wake her up. And she was laughing and her mother was laughing. And she said she loved that moment with her mom because it was a joking moment. It was a funny moment. And one of them said um, the time where they shared, um, he shared a snack with his father. 
And the other one will say he went fishing with his father. So, like, it's not about how much money that you spend. It's about being there, doing something with them that is very, that can help them remember, have a good memory. Even for me personally, my most profound memory with my mother was when I, um, I, I, she told me to go and get, to go and buy something. And it was raining really badly. So I went to, I went to buy this food and I was holding it, you know, and she trusted me to go and buy it alone. And it was like around six o'clock. So it was like a little dark. And I think I was like 10 or nine. And the fact that she trusted me to go and walk all the way, it wasn't that far, but to walk all the way over there and go get what she told me to get and come back by myself that really made me feel like I was a strong girl, like I can do it, you know? And so it was raining and I had the food in my hand, I bought it and the woman told me to hold it right, to hold it right so it doesn't fall. And I, as I was coming, it started raining and I, was, I felt so proud of myself that I was able to go somewhere alone that my mom trusted me or, you know, trust me enough to go by myself and come back. And so, you know, every child want to do things by themselves, right? And so, as I was coming, it was raining, and um, I slipped and fell. I slipped and fell, and the food fell all over the floor. And I started crying because I was like, oh my gosh, I felt like I, I felt like I failed. I felt like I failed, like I was supposed to go and get the food and come back, and the, the food fell on the floor, and it split everywhere, and my, my clothing was all wet with mud. And as I was walking home, I was crying the whole time. I was crying. It was raining. I was crying the whole time. I took the, the, the plates and, and the bowl and the cover, and I walked home. And I was like, I don't know what my mom is going to say. Is she going to beat me? Is she going to be mad? But when I got home, she wiped my tears. She bathed me. And she told me, it's okay. And she hugged me. And my, I remember my sister was standing there. She was looking at me. My, my sister also hugged me. And that is the most intimate time that I remember that I cherish so much with my mom. So it's not that the fact that she bought me, you know, nice outfits or it's not those things. It's those little moments of just being, you know, loving and being um understanding and listening and being there being there is what the kids want because i remember as i was working at a church and one of the kids i'm not going to say his name but um i remember he 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 wanted to run out of the church um because we let the kids out but um i realized that he didn't know that he was about to go outside so I was about to leave, you know, I, I clucked out of work and I was about to leave. And his mom was like back there trying to get his other brother together. So I couldn't leave him near the church door because he could he could be kidnapped. So I stood there and literally like I was holding the door. He's like, no, don't hold the door. I'm strong. I can hold the door myself. I don't need help. I'll hold it myself because I'm strong. And he kept saying, I'm strong, I'm strong. So I was like, okay, I'm going to not hold the door. And then he, he literally held the door with every, every strength he had. And that was a moment for him, for me to just be there and let him hold the door with his body to, to let him know that he is indeed strong to hold the door.
So when you are, you know, raising up your kids, and even when you're serving in ministry or in, if you're a teacher, you know, those little moments are very important to the children because it builds your self-esteem. He was, his self-esteem was being built by just being able to hold a door without my help, you know. And so it's important to be there, you know, because when you're not there, when you hurt them and not listen to them and not be there to, to really, like, show them that you care. I mean, like, the father and the daughter on your daughter, uh, father-daughter date or if your mother going, going on your son and mother date to just listen to them and be there for them. It, it, it prevents the enemy from coming in. It prevents a, a doorway you know, because um, if it's your child is rejected or feel like you don't care about them, you know, the spirit of rejection can come in uh, and the spirit of rejection is a doorway for a lot of things to come in. OK, if you if you if they make an art piece like most of the kids at the job that I worked at, you know, um, they made art pieces and it, you know, it's it, it's not, you know, no Picasso. It's not Picasso. But I made them feel like it was Picasso. I was like, oh my gosh, we need to put it up. You know, we need to put it up. And they were so excited. You know, if, if they, they play and they try to make food, they're like, you know, can you be our guest? We're trying to make food. And I'm like, okay, what is on the menu? You know, just being there with them and just listening to them. Of course, you know, they, they grow out of that stage. But being there in every stage is very important to the children because what what the enemy wants is for you to be so busy as a parent that you don't have time for your kids because if you don't have time for your kids guess what he has time for your kids and he can introduce your kids to so many things you know opening doors in your kids through hurt through pain through rejection through uh rejection through neglect um and a lot of things can happen for for the enemy to come in okay uh so before I start talking about how the spirit of Jezebel come in, that's what I wanted to talk about. You know, what can you do as a parent to stop your child from being exposed to spirits of darkness? Um, of course, the Lord is looking after your children. The Lord is looking after you. Nobody, not your parents, you know, nobody look after themselves. It's the Lord that does it, right? He's the one that is our source, that cares, that protects us. And it all stems from the garden. There's so many revelation in the garden. You know, when, when we talk about um, our father, uh, who is Jehovah, when we talk about him, we, we, we see that he's our, he's our parent first. God is our parent first. Before we have mother, before we have father, he's our parent first. And that's the thing that we have to remember. Even David, the psalmist said, even when my father and my mother forsake me, God is there. Why? Because God is our parent first. So you have to teach your children that God is their parent first. Because when you're not there, when, you know, when your time comes and you die, and there are people who have given birth and their children have died, and, and, and not your children have died, but they have died and left their children here, you know, there is a void there. Of course, we need, you know, parental love and all of that. But we have to remember that we have to teach our kids that, that, that our love first comes from the Lord. Because parents are humans, Right? They fail, right? Foster parents are humans. They fail. They might do something that's not right, or they might, you know, uh, not do something. Or might. so we have to realize that when we tell the kids, your 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 first father, your first parent is God, 
when you're not there to fill that void or to fill whatever it is that you cannot fill, they can go to the Lord. That's why, it, that's why you know, God made Adam and then made Eve. Adam and Eve didn't have a parent, a physical parent. They had God. They didn't have, you know, like you and I have parents. They, have, they had God as their parent. And that's the, 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 um, the foundation that the Lord wanted to let us know that just as Adam and Eve had parents, who is him, God himself, and then he, the Lord, allowed them to be parents, okay? So he taught them how a parent should be, which is him, the I am that I am. And then he allowed them to have children and how to be parents by watching how he was parent to them. And so when Adam and Eve, when they no longer there, we are sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, right? We come from that tribe. So we come from, we are sons and daughters. We are generations of Adam and Eve. So our actual parents, our physical parents, who's Adam and Eve, they're not there. But who's still there? The Lord is still there. God is still there. Adam and Eve already died, right? So did Abraham and Sarah. We came from them, right? So even Adam, um, Abraham and Sarah, they're dead, but God is still there. He's still omnipotent. He's still omnipresent. So do you see that the, 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 the revelation is that we have to let our children know that God is our father, that God is our parent. He's our father. The Lord's prayer talks about our father who are in heaven. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. So it shows us our father is Jehovah. So we have to teach our kids that, you know, God is our father. That if your mother doesn't do what you were hoping that you did, they were they were gonna do, you can cook, you you can pray to God and He will help you, right? If your father did not do what you wanted him to do, you can pray to the Lord and He will help you. He can be the intermediate to talk to your parents, right? So that they can do right. So even people whose parents die, they don't know how to function. Why? Because they put their whole source into their parents. When God said we have to put our source in him. Yes, it's important to, to cultivate that relationship with your parents. But we have to remember that you know, it's not our parents that look after us. It's God that helped them to look after us. It's God that literally looks after us. You know, it's not, our, it's, not, it's not us that look after our parents. It's the Lord that look after our parents for us. You know, of course, we are to, you know, honor our father and mother for this is right. And we will have long life and it will be well with us, right? But we have to realize that God is our first source. And it's important that as parents, we have to point our children back to the Lord. Um, and even as servants in the house of God, under children's ministry, you have to point in teachers point the children back to the Lord. So let's talk about how the spirit enters a child. Like I said, um, neglect, uh, rejection, you know, uh, parents that are there, but they're not there, meaning that they're emotionally upset. Uh, and there are children and their parents that are there, but they're not physically there. They're always busy. They don't have time for the kids. Like if the child create, you know, 
a stick figure um, uh, art piece instead of looking at it and say, oh, okay, and throw it and put it, it to the side because you're busy balancing your checkbook or you're busy cooking or doing this or doing that. That moment really shapes them and does a lot in their mind. There are kids that will say their parents told them, even adults in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 20s, teens, that, that remember the thing that their parents did or said or didn't say. And that has been playing in their head for many years. There are some of them that said their parents called them lazy, you know, call them um, stupid or call them so many words or call them, you know, ungrateful. It's in their mind. So every time they go to work or they go to wherever they have a relationship, whatever, it's playing in their minds. So we have to be careful. Yes, you know, we are human beings. Uh, parents are human beings. They might fail at times. And that's why it's important, again, to, to, to direct your kids to the Lord. Because if you're having issues, even if, if, you know, even as you, as a parent, when you're having issues with your child, where do you go? You go to the Lord right? When you're having issues in your marriage, where do you go? You go to the Lord, right? So you have learned that. The Bible says that train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way that he should go. What way? The way, the narrow way to the Lord. So when he's old and you are not there, or when he's old and you are in another place or another state or another country, he will not depart. Not, he has already departed from you and cleaved to his wife or cleaved to, to um, her husband. But the fact that the, she or he has a relationship with our Lord, you know that all is well because you train up that child in the Lord. And so when you are a parent and you don't you know, open your, your child to the word of God, you open your child to demons. Okay, uh, Kids that watch Harry Potter, that's demonic. Harry Potter is demonic. They have witches with sticks performing um, witchcraft. That's demonic. Okay, giving your your child names, nicknames like wizard. I you know there's this girl who gave her child a name wizard. You're calling your child a witch. You are opening a door for the enemy to come in, and you wonder why they are after witchcraft when they grow older. When you call your child, you know fat fat. You're calling them, you're pronouncing things upon, upon them. You call, you call your child fat, fat, they're going to be big. You're gonna, they're going to eat. So you have to remember that there is a power in the name, okay? That's why God told, you know, Moses, even Abraham, you know, when, even when he sent his prophets, who, who sent you? The I am that I am. That is who sent you? The, the I am that I am. The I am that I am sent you right? It's important that we realize who the source is, is God, right? So when it comes to knowing what's going on in your kid's life, it's important that you really show them where the source is. So let's go into what, um, how to identify the spirit of Jezebel. Like I said, it comes through rejection, neglect, and not opening the word of God to them. Because if you don't open the word of God to them at that age, because they're like sponges, they're sucking everything, especially at a little age. That is when you have to open the word of God to them so they can, 
you know, engulf it into their, into their body, into, the, into their mind, into their soul, into their spirit. So how the Jezebel spirit manifests is this. In children, they manifest through tantrums and rebellion against parental authority. You know, I'm not saying that every time your kid had a, has a tantrum, they have a Jezebel. No, this is, this is a repeated, uncontrollable thing that they do. If your child is hitting people, is fighting, that child has a spirit of anger, okay? If they cannot control themselves and you already talked to them and they can control it, this is something that cannot, cannot be controlled. The moment, the moment that you, you know, they want something, you don't, you don't want to give it to them, they have tantrum and you talk to them, they don't want to listen, you need to start praying and anointing your child, okay? Temper tantrums is not of God. It's not of God to be repeated in a child continuously. That's how they get their way. That's manipulation, okay? They know that if they, be temp- if they have a temper tantrum, you're going to give them what they want. But, the, you know, there are kids that have had a temper tantrums that their parents have been able to calm them down, talk to them, and they listen, and they stop, right? That's, that's okay. Now, I'm talking about a child that, that doesn't want to stop, still continue to do that. Um, you open it if you allow that you're opening a door for the spirit of Jezebel to come in because that temper tantrum can later on lead to manipulation. You know, when they get married, they want to man- manipulate your, your spouse. You know, if you're if they're a woman, they want to manipulate your spouse with crying all of a sudden. Everything every, every time their, their husband says something to them, they just start crying and they want to get their way, even with friends, they will start crying. And then the, the, the friend will stop saying what they're saying because they don't want to face their issues, right? Not everyone that cries is crying because they want to cry or something is hurting them. Sometimes it's manipulation, okay? Um, especially when, you're, when the situation does not need, need somebody to be crying. Um, or, you know, they, they might have manip- manipulation as in using their bodies to manipulate your spouse in the future. Uh, rebellion. Uh, they are rebellious. They don't want to listen to you. Everything that you say, they don't want to listen to it. They don't want to obey. You know, of course, kids can be rebelling a little bit in certain things. Like, you know, if you tell them, stop eating ice cream or, you know, um, maybe you're cooking and you have, like, some, uh, some you know, uh, what do you call it, some, some shrimp. And you know that your child likes shrimp, so they, they pass by, they take some shrimp to eat, and then they go and come back. And you're like, you're eating all the shrimp. You know, I, I would not say that's re- being rebellious, because maybe they might be hungry. But if they're doing, like, something that you tell them, do not do that. I keep telling you, don't do that. And they continue to do it, and you ask them, why, why do you keep doing that? And they're like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how to stop you know, uh, then you need to stop praying because you're, open, because you're opening it because there's a door open for the spirit of Jezebel to come in. And we see, you know, rebellion in, even in the, in the word of God, Jonah rebelling against the Lord and going to, to Tashish instead of, instead of Nineveh. Uh, uh, we see rebellion even with the, you know, prodigal son, right? Um, we see rebellion in even um, Hagar, you know, when Hagar left uh, Sarah because they, you know, they had issues with each other. And when she went, she went to the desert, right? 
and uh, we see uh, in Genesis 16, she she left. Um, Genesis 16 verse, I would say, 6. So Abram said to Sarah, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarah dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. So uh, it's 7. It says, Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness. Um, let's say I'll go to 8. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from? And where are you going? See, she, she was in rebellion. She's like, I'm not going to stay there. Of course, uh, this is uh, something that is understandable because she was being treated harshly um, with all that, you know, um, issue that came about, Ishmael and all of that. These two women were having issues among each other. Uh, and in a way, Hagar was like, uh, under the leadership of Sarah and Abraham. So she was under authority. And so she fled. And she said, she said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply the descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be con- counted for multitude. So we see that, you know, when you return from rebellion, uh, when you obey and you come under authority, there are blessings that come, right? Because your enemy knows knows that um, there is a uh, a foundation that God has already created, which is God is first, and then we are under Him, and God put us under authority of our parents. So when we rebel, we we over we basically come out of the the order. Of how things are supposed to be, right? The the parental order, right? A child is to submit under the authority of the parent, just as you know, leaders in the church are to submit under the headship of head headship head. Oh my goodness, I cannot talk today. Headship of the um, the lead pastor, right? Even even in in ministry, we we might not understand we, we we might not understand and agree with everything that the pastor might be doing just as we might not understand and agree with everything that the parent is doing but god has still put them in position right and so we have to still be under authority and honor um one thing that the lord is leading me to talk about is the fact that you know uh, even though hagar was being treated harshly the angel knew about it and told her to return um there are people there are children that their parents you know might be drug addicts, so they are being treated harshly by their parent because of their addiction, or you know, um, parents that are abusive. You know, uh, even like with Joyce Meyer, her father abused her sexually. Um, parents that are abusive physically, emotionally, mentally. There are children that are under those type of circumstances, right? Uh, and many of them have run away. Many of them have left homes. Because they, they want peace. They want to feel love. They want to feel needed. They want to feel a parental, actual parental, you know, relationship. They have not had that because of that harsh treatment. So we see here that, you know, Hagar was in a way um, in rebellion 
she was in a way in a way in rebellion, but we understand why she was because she was being treated harshly. But the angel of the Lord came back and told her to go back to her mistress. When she went back, we don't see that um, Sarai treated her harshly anymore, right? Uh, and that that doesn't mean that every parent that treats a child harshly or abuses a child, the child should go back to the parent. No. If the parent changes, if the parent realizes that they've done wrong and they, and they repent and they apologize to the child, and that's one thing that's a big thing. Most parents don't want to apologize to their child. I don't understand why. You know, when you apologize to your child, you know what, you know what it does? They, they, they don't look at you with eyes of uh, belittling. They don't look at you like you are below them or you have lost your authority over them. You know what they look at you with? With respect. They look at you with respect. Most parents fear apologizing to your child because they feel like your child is going to look at them with disrespect or think that they're, 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 they're making mistakes or they, they lack something. But what, what happens is that what I've realized when I work with kids is that when you look at, when you look at them and you apologize, they form a love and a, a um, respect for you. They, they form a trust with you because they realize that if you do wrong by them, you know what's right from wrong and you are man enough or woman enough to tell them that you're sorry. And so when they do something wrong, they will tell you that they are sorry. So it's easy for them to say sorry to you if, you're, if, you're, if you are sorry to them, if you do something wrong. So sometimes they are rebellious because you are rebellious toward them. Because they know, trust me, kids know when you're doing something wrong. They can tell, okay? They can tell. So when you do something wrong, you, you should be apologizing to them. Because if you do, they will apologize to you too. I think that many times kids are rebellious because of what parents have done. Honestly, I don't think any child come out of the womb being rebellious. No. It's something that you did as a parent. Or maybe some, somebody in the family did that caused them to have that rebellious spirit. Because we see that Hagar did not just wake up being rebellious. I mean, of course, she started it. You know, she started all that bickering with Sarai because she realized that she was pregnant and Sarah was not. Um, but she didn't flee. She fled. She became rebellious and fled because of what Sarah did to her. Became harsh toward her. Of course, Sarah was retaliating, you know, responding to how Hagar was treating her. So, right now, who is the authority in this situation? Sarah is the authority in this situation. And Hagar is the one that is supposed to submit to her. The Bible says that, you know, if there's an offense, you have to treat the person with meekness. Because if you do that, then you will not be even tempted by that offense that's on the person. So right now, the person that was supposed to be the bigger person was Sarah. Sarah was supposed to say, you know what? I see that you are being... Um, belittling you or having a penina spirit right now so what i'm gonna do of course penina wasn't there yet but get the revelation i'm saying she was behaving like penina basically um but sarah should have been like you know what i'm just gonna keep praying to the lord and not even step into what you're doing i'm just gonna let you do what you're doing and pray about it to the lord 
Um, sometimes it's hard for us human beings to pray about something that we ourselves get out, got ourselves into when the Lord said no. Honestly, I believe that Sarah couldn't pray about this or even release this whole uh, Hagar and Ishmael situation to the Lord because she knew in her heart that that wasn't the Lord's you know, doing. That wasn't the Lord's um, purpose for her and her husband. Sometimes it's hard for us to pray to the Lord about a situation that we got ourselves into. Instead, instead of, you know, trying to let the Lord handle it, we continue in our own fleshly way and try and resolve it on our own. Because we know that when we go to the Lord, we have to repent and, you know, ask for, for, ask for forgiveness and, you know, face ourselves in the mirror and all of that. So sometimes kids are rebellious because of what you've done as a parent. Something that you did out of your flesh, not your spirit. And that's why sometimes parents don't know how to interact with rebellious children or even salvage that relationship or pray about it or even go to their pastor about it because they know that they themselves have done something against that child for that child to be rebellious. Maybe the, the father touched the, the daughter in a way that was not good or... You know, you uh, you neglected your child, rejected your child, beat your child, um, abused your child emotionally. You did not show up to their games. You belittled them with your with your words. You did something that caused them to be rebellious. So, as a parent, you always have to point the finger to yourself first before you you point your your finger to them. But in any in any way. A child that has the spirit of Jezebel has a temper tantrum and rebellious spirit. And you realize that, okay, they have that. You might say, yes, your child has that completely because they cannot listen. They are very rebellious. They're very temper tantrums and all of that. Well, guess what? You need to stop praying, anointing your home and ask the Lord, where did this come from? Because the thing about demons is that when you address the wound, the issue in the child, the spirit cannot stay there anymore because you remove the legal rights from there. For example, a child that is very lustful. Uh, if you're somebody who has a gift of discernment, you can feel with your body as well. Or even the gift of knowledge, you can feel with your body as well. There are people, like I always say, pastors know how to feel the room with their body. They, they know how to feel people. With their body, because God allows us to do that. Uh, God allows pastors to do that. One thing is that uh, when you about one thing about spirits is that, for example, the the spirit of lust. Okay, if somebody has a spirit of lust and they dress very seductive, like let's say a twelve year old dresses very seductively, like wear little mini things. That's not how a twelve year old should be dressing, right? There is a spirit of lust there. Maybe somebody touched that child in a way that was not right. So when you see that, what do you do? You, you, you really start talking to the child. Have, build a relationship with the child. Okay, Start talking to the child and ask the child, Hey, uh, you have to build trust before, because before that child can open up to you because your trust has been dismantled. From that experience. Majority of the time, they don't remember that experience. Because what the brain does, and it's psychological, there is something called um, amnesia. It's, a, it's like a, 
uh, I would say it's a, um, like, how do I put it? There's a different type of amnesia, okay? They are traumatic amnesia. And what happens with traumatic amnesia is that um, this, type of, this type of amnesia causes somebody to forget what happened to them. Because the, that's how their brain can cope. Because that's how their brain can um, handle that emotion or can, can move on. And that's why people, when they're a certain age, they remember what happened to them when they were little. They're like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened to me. That child has something like that going on. And so for you to help them remember that, they have to trust you. And God has to do it. It's not you. God has to do it. Because the only person that can help them remember that is the Lord. And when they're ready to remember it, when they feel trusted, they feel like they can trust you and you can trust them. But you first have to form a relationship with that child. And you talk to them over time. And as you talk to them, they will have a remembrance when the Holy Spirit come in. They will, they will remember that time. And when they do, they will break down. They will feel like a piece of them was missing for a long time. They will feel like they, their emotions will go right back there. They will start to behave like how they were back there. And that's how it does. Like every little detail, they will remember it. Even the smell, the touch, everything. Everything. And you have to be emotionally there for that child at that time. Because they are reliving that experience. They are reliving that season of their life. And that goes with everything that causes a spirit to come in. They have to remember where it started. Some of them have said it started with when their, their parents slapped them. Or when their parent um, did not come to their game. And they can literally, literally remember the grass, how it looked. They can literally remember how they felt. They can remember the face of their parent. Okay? So you have to take them back there. But it has to be a process. It's a process. And when, you, and when, they, got, when they get back there, the, the spirit does not have any legal rights anymore. Because they remember what has happened. To them that caused that and that's when healing starts because deliverance happened when they remember that thing and then you can command that spirit to go you, re- you renounce the spirit first you repent first they repent for entertaining that spirit and then they renounce it in the name of jesus and then they command it to go they don't want it there anymore because they know the source of it now okay um of course you, you don't have to know the source to command the spirit to leave but it's important to know the source because if you don't know the source, then it, um, it's easy for the spirit to return. Because if you know the source, then you can uh, deal with it. Then you can have healing. Then you can uh, face it. You can actually deal with that. Okay, people who have gone through divorce, I would say that m- majority of them have had uh, a spirit of hurt and pain and rejection. That's why it's that's why, um, divorce it's such a important process to have with your your spiritual leaders uh, especially if it's a divorce from you know abuse right because god hates divorce right so 
if it, if it, if it's a divorce from abuse, uh, divorce that from adultery, uh, you need spiritual leaders with you because you're opening yourself to spirits because of that separation that's coming or that's happening. Uh, so it's important to face your issues, face your hurt and your pain. It causes the enemy not to have legal rights. So with these kids, I have temper tantrums and rebellious spirit. A lot of kids that run away from home, you know, we see Amber Alerts and we see uh, when you go to Walmart, they have it on there. These kids are missing. I always pray for the kids. I don't pray for the parents. Do you know why? Because the majority of them, I understand that their parents did something to them. Sometimes I pray for the parents. Sometimes I don't. Um, I pray for the kids more than I pray for the parents. Because I realize that the majority of them, the, par- the, kid, the parents have done something or not done something that's caused their kids to be, you know, to leave the house. And you, you might be like, Bernice, you should pray for the parents. Yes, but I pray for the kids more than I pray for the parents. Because majority of the time, the parents will, will act like they've not done something wrong. You know, uh, even this week, this Sunday, uh, Mother's Day, I was at church and uh, our pastor was interviewing a woman who parents abandoned her. Her father abandoned her emotionally and her mother abandoned her physically and emotionally. And she said she finally reconnected with her, her mother. And the first thing that came out of her mother's mouth was, I don't want to talk about it. God has already forgiven me. That's it. And so she said she had, she had to be the bigger person and say, you know what? I've forgiven you a long, a long time ago. This is, she, she introduced her to her, her husband and her kids. So you see, the thing is, the reason why I don't pray for parents, but I pray for more for the child, is that when, you, when she met her mom, that should not have been the first thing out of her mouth. Her mom should apologize and said, I'm so sorry. You know, but she's not there yet to do that. She wasn't there yet physically, emotionally to, to do that. And she was probably having guilt and shame, you know. So I pray for the kids more because the kids have to be the one to go through those emotions and those things, okay. Um, but I'm not saying that I don't pray for the parents. Of course, pray for the parents. But I pray for the kids more because they are, they are growing up, okay. They are growing up and they have a lot of issues that they have to face in school, you know, in the world. Um, in church, a lot of issues that they have to face. Even within themselves, they grow, they're trying to understand who they are. There's a lot on their shoulders. So when I say I pray for the kids more, I pray for the kids more. Because even the parents, a lot of parents and a lot of aunts and uncles and leaders have prayed for them. Um, so let's continue. It says, it, um, this type of spirit can be passed down like every spirit, okay? Passed down from through, through family as a generational curse um, if it's not dealt with. Because what this spirit does is it, it weaves itself in the child's life, in the child's character. Because temper tantrums are an act of rage and violence. So if a child is in their 30s and something goes wrong and they're hitting the wall. They were doing that when they were little. They were probably throwing things, right? Um, and 
Temper tantrums can be manipulation and control, like I said. Uh, physical abuse of parents is also associated with children who have the Jezebel spirit. Uh, the quicker you, the, the quicker, the immediate that you deal with the spirit in your child, the better it is. Because like I said, um, this spirit and a lot of spirits like to weave themselves in the child's character. That's why as they get, as they get older, it's harder for that spirit to leave because if a child is abused sexually, the spirit of lust is going to come there. And then as they grow up, they start dressing very lustfully, right? And they start behaving lustfully. They start having sex and acting very, like they have to sleep with every man to be accepted. It's because it started from that age, right? It has weaved itself in them. And so it's important that when you identify the spirit, you have to pray. Now, do not think that your child is going to be scared when you command a spirit to come out. They might manifest. But guess what? The, the, the father who had the son who was, um, had a deaf and dumb spirit, he was already manifesting when he brought him. So he became free. Right? So it's not, don't be afraid and like, oh, they're going to manifest. Well, let them manifest and let that demon leave and deal with that, you know, that hurt, that pain, whatever it is, the source of it, deal with it. Talk to them about it and then fill them with the Holy Spirit. Okay? It's important that as parents, you are able to do deliverance on your kids. You, you, are, you are the first person that can do deliverance on your child because you are the father or you are the mother. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, the church, the church leaders have to do deliverance for my kids because they are church leaders. They, they have authority, but you as a parent have more authority than any of the church leaders because you brought them. God has entrusted them with you. You have, actually, you have more power over your kids in the spirit realm, in the physical, mental, emotional, than anybody in the church, anybody in the school system has. Okay? So I want us to go on an um, advertisement and then uh, a song break. And then when we come back, I'm going to pray um, deliverance uh, to cast out the spirit of Jezebel. If you want to get deliverance.
parent and you're feeling guilt you feel like you have this uh the spirit of guilt like you feel guilty for certain things that you didn't do for your kids um i want to pray this with you it's a self-deliverance you're going to pray it when i say it so say it after me as as i say it um guilt is not from the lord um excessive guilt is not from the lord being beating yourself up because there's no condemnation when it comes to Christ Jesus. When you confess your sins, he forgives you, right? Um, there is a time where God will um, cause the Holy Spirit come on you to basically make you reason what you did was wrong. But he never puts you in guilt, okay? He never puts you in guilt, you do go through some type of um, self-examination. Um, but the Holy Spirit doesn't put you in guilt. So if you're a parent and you feel like 
you have done something wrong, you have not been there for your kids like you should be, and you're beating yourself up because you had to work 50 hours a week, um, and you feel guilty for whatever reason it is that you feel guilty. Uh, I just want you to first repent. Just tell the Lord, Lord, I repent for um, letting this that I did or didn't do issue, whatever it is, you say it out loud. Letting it cause me to feel guilty, um, to have a spirit of guilt on me. I repent for entertaining this spirit of guilt, Lord. Jesus, I repent for entertaining the spirit of guilt. And so right now, I want you to um, renounce the spirit, of guilt, the spirit of guilt. So say, in the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of guilt off of my life, off of my mind, off of my spirit, my soul, my home, my body. In the name of Jesus, I renounce every spirit of guilt that has come inside of me in any capacity. In Jesus' name. You might burp, you might um, release something, you might have tears in your eyes, you might have tears in your eyes, you might cough, you might fart, whatever it is, whatever is happening, just let it happen, let it leave you, okay, don't stop burping, don't stop yawning, let it all go, because it's, it's, it's leaving you, okay, now I want you to, um, I want you to pray this after me. This is self-deliverance from the spirit of guilt. In the name of Jesus, so say after me, in the name of Jesus, I refuse to take on the accusations of the enemy. In Jesus' name, I am in Jesus, and therefore, I am a new creation. Every sin, every mistake from my past is forgiven in Jesus' name. I believe the report of the Lord over my life. I believe the report of the Lord's mercy. My sins are forgiven and washed away. Lord, you said that if I repent, you are just and faithful to forgive me from every sin. So in the name of Jesus, I break the power of guilt over my life over my home and over my children and my family in the name of Jesus. I refuse to live under a cloud of guilt. I am redeemed and free in Jesus' name. And so in the name of Jesus, I command every spirit of guilt to go from me now. In Jesus' name, leave go in Jesus name I command every spirit of guilt in the person listening to come out and leave right now in Jesus name go they have renounced you they have repented you have no legal rights so I command you to get out of them and leave out in Jesus name I cast you out and I tell you to go and never return in the name of Jesus. Oh, I feel fire on my hands. I release the fire of God into you in Jesus' name. The fire of Jehovah on you in Jesus' name. Father, I pray right now. Everyone that pray this prayer.
I ask the Lord you will fill them. Every place that has been empty, every place that every foul spirit was, that was there, that left, I pray now that Lord you will send your Holy Spirit to fill that empty spaces. Clean that space with your fire. Clean that space with your light, Jesus. And fill those places within them with the Holy Spirit. As you felt, as you filled those that were in the upper room. So Lord, impart upon them your Holy Spirit, Adonai. And help them to walk in freedom. They are no longer slaves to guilt, but they are free. Who the sun sets free is truly free indeed. Help them to do better. Help them to walk out your word. Help them, give them wisdom in how to do something that they did before, God, in a better way, in an effective way, in a righteous way, God. And so I thank you for these precious souls that you have saved today, Jesus. And it's in the name of Jesus we do pray and receive this deliverance. Glory to the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So I hope that you felt um, the presence of the Lord. You are free from guilt. The enemy cannot come back again whenever the enemy comes. Because we know that the enemy comes at an opportune time. He finds an opportune time. Whenever he comes, let that devil know you already repented. You already prayed. Okay? And he should get thee behind you where he belongs. You are free from guilt. No longer a slave to guilt. But free in Christ Jesus alone. In Christ Jesus alone. Now, everything that you have to do with your kids, just ask the Lord for guidance. Ask him for wisdom. Ask him for knowledge. Ask him for whatever it is that you need. Just say, Lord, whatever it is I need. I don't know what I need, but you just give it to me so I can better teach these kids, better train up these kids. And lead them to you. And lead them the right right path. So um, I hope that you were blessed today. Okay. And remember. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit convicts us. He does not put guilt on us. So you prayed. You released it, and you are free. So walk in your freedom today, okay, as the parent that God has made you to be. I hope that you liked the song that I played. It was Maverick, Maverick City, Mary, Did You Know. Um, I'm going to play a little of Maverick City songs after this as well. But we're having a devoted trivia, and I hope that you're ready to explore your mind of biblical understanding all those days and hours of just sitting at your table, 2 a.m., looking at the Word of God, loving it. I'm joking. Many people don't open their Bibles only on Sundays. I just hope that people will really open their Bibles, not just on Sundays, but Mondays, Fridays, Wednesdays, Tuesdays, Saturdays, Thursdays, every day. So I'm going to test your intelligence, and I know you're really smart. You know the Word of God inside out from Genesis to Revelation. Even the things that we don't know yet, you know it. I know you are a master, brilliant genius when it comes to the Word of God. So this is devoted trivia. Now, if you get the answer wrong, this is what happens. You're going to hear the sound. I am joking. I'm joking. You're not going to hear that sound. <laughs> You're not going to hear that sound. Anyway, you are going to get a clap. You're going to get 
brownie points, cookies. I don't know. You're just going to be really happy that you got the answer right, that you know the word of God. Um, I'm going to play a little instrument while you think about the answer for the word uh, that I'm going to basically ask you about the word of God. So these two questions, okay, and I'm going to, after I ask these two questions, I'm going to play literally like a few seconds of um, instrument and you're going to think about it. And I'm going to come back after the song, the second song, and then tell you the answer. So you have about, let's say, five minutes to, to think about it. And these questions are not really hard at all. So the first question and the rules, because there are rules to this. There are rules to this. The rules are you cannot use Google. Today, Google is not your friend, okay? The Holy Spirit is your friend. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to help you out. Because, you know, the Bible says that he will search you and help you and bring back those, uh, those Bible verses that God has taught you, okay? He will search you and bring it out. So Google is not your friend today. The Holy Spirit is your friend to help you with this, okay? You cannot ask your neighbor. You got to ask the Holy Spirit. So you cannot look at your Bible, okay? You cannot look at your Bible. This is a, a trivia. So I want to know, what is the second creation? What did God create on the second day? Right? He rested on the seventh day. What did he create on the second day of creation? Because, you know, it says that then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. He rested on the seventh day. But what did he create on the second day? Okay. The second question is, this is really simple and easy. Name two of the 12 disciples. You can name whatever, which one, ever you, you want. But just name two of the 12 disciples, okay? So, first question is, on the second day of creation, what did God create? Okay? The second question is, name two of the disciples, of the 12 disciples that Jesus had, okay? And don't say your mama and your father, no. <laughs> there are disciples of God right now, but I'm saying the 12, the first 12 disciples, that Jesus had. What are the names of two of them? So I'm going to play this Maverick City song and then I'm going to come back and give you the answers. I'll never be more loved than I am right now. Wasn't holding you up. So there's nothing I can do to let you down It doesn't take a trophy to make you cry I'll never be more loved than I am right now No. 
All right. So if you took the time to not look at Google, but ask the Holy Spirit to help you, I hope that you're ready to have the answers read to you. So the first question was, what did God create on the second day of creation? Let's look at Genesis 1 verse 8. It says, And God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day. So if you got it, awesome, awesome to you. You get brownie points, cookies, ice cream, hugs, money from God. He's going to send you all of that. (laughs) Um, The second question is, The second question was that, name the 12 disciples. Name two of the 12 disciples, okay? Not all of them, but two of them, okay? So the names of the 12 disciples are Simeon, Peter, who's also called Peter, right? He became, his name was changed to Peter after the revelation of, um, you know, you are the son of God. Um, Andrew was Peter's brother, and James who's part of the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Then Philip, then Nathaniel, uh, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son uh, of Alphaeus. And uh, Judas, son of James, Simeon, um, and then Judas Iscariot, the one that betrayed Jesus. So, if you name any of these, you are correct. Look at Matthew ten two to 4 for the names of the disciples of Jesus Christ. So, brownie points for you, claps, hugs, awesome. You are a smart, smart man of God. You are a smart, smart woman of God. Pat yourself on the back. Thank you so much for playing Devoted Trivia. Now let's go back to the teaching today. All right, so Thaddeus is the last disciple. I did not say his name. So the 12th disciple that I left out is Thaddeus. So if you did say Thaddeus, then you are correct. T-H-A-D-D-A-E-U-S. I don't think this disciple is talked about much. So, um... I would understand why I forgot to mention him, or maybe you forgot to mention him. But if you did mention him, congratulations. All right, so let's listen to this song and then go back to the um, teaching. All right, so this ends our episode for today. Um, I was going to pray deliverance from Jezebel and also perversion, but I'm going to do that separately. I'm going to have an episode separately for just deliverance. Probably going to be like 20 minutes or like 15 minutes. Um, and it's going to be with like renunciation, repentance, renunciation. And I'm going to command the spirit to come out in the name of Jesus. Um, and also, um, when it comes to deliverance, you have to be... Deliverance is like salvation, Okay. You have to be willing. You have to want it. Nobody can force deliverance on you. People can pray that you you seek deliverance, but nobody can force a spirit out of you that you don't want. Okay? And it's not me that's going to do it. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Lord that's going to do it. 
okay? Um, if you want to fast and pray or fast during that time, that's fine. Normally what happens with deliverance is that people will burp, fart, yarn, cry. Um, tears will come out of your eyes. Um, some people might manifest. Um, you might hear, no, I will not come out. Um, you might start shaking. Um, things might happen. You don't know what's going to happen. But be open to the Holy Spirit. Be open to the Lord um, for whatever he wants to do. Some people don't manifest at all. Majority of people don't manifest. The the spirit just leaves them. And they feel like they feel lighter. They feel like they feel more peaceful. Um, and afterwards, you you put your hand over yourself and you say, Holy Spirit, please fill me. Every place that is empty in me, fill it completely. Because one thing is that the Bible says that when a spirit leaves, it goes around. If it comes back and it's empty, the place is empty. The place is not filled with the Holy Spirit and cleaned. You will come back in. And what's, what majority um, deliverance ministers do is that they have to pray for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Or you pray for yourself that God, all you have to do is just say, Lord, fill me. Fill every place in me that's empty, Holy Spirit. I receive you in Jesus' name. And that's by faith, okay? Because you want to fill that place with the Holy Spirit, with the light of Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. Because wherever, wherever the Holy Spirit is, the enemy cannot dwell because light, light and darkness cannot dwell in the same place, right? Um, and um, afterwards, you just read the Word of God. Cultivate yourself with the Word of God. Um, deliverance does not end when you, you uh, become free from a spirit. Deliverance actually starts from there, okay? That's why you have to always live by the word because if you live in the spirit you don't have room for the flesh uh one last thing i want to say before we end is that when it comes to um freedom for kids it's very important that you pray for those that have gone through divorce uh the enemy loves kids that have gone through divorce that's why you see a little rebellion when it comes to kids who have gone through divorce they they um who have gone through parents that have been divorced they are very rebellious, very, very rebellious, very angry, upset, um, confused. So you got to pray for those kids. Um, if you're a parent and you're married, do everything you can to stick together with your husband or with your wife. If you are a man with your wife, if you're a woman with your husband, um, I don't condone same-sex marriage. So you, you, if you're in a same-sex marriage, you, you already opened yourself to the devil. So uh, go and repent and leave that marriage because God does not, it's not in that marriage. He has a husband for you if you're a woman. And he has a, a wife for you if you're a man. Um, but it's important that as a husband and wife, you stick together. God hates divorce. Of course, he doesn't hate divorce when it comes to, because the Bible says that, you know, divorce is only accepted if the person is, if you, if you committed adultery, okay, and um, in the church, divorce is accepted if you're being abused, physically abused. You feel like you're gonna die, like your spouse is gonna kill you, literally, because they're beating you or your uh, your kids are in danger. It's okay. It's okay to leave because you could die, right? I remember um, I'll go and visit my 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 family in New York. 
And I, I was in high school, and I would hear this woman crying. And I went and told my aunt, like, what's going on? Do you, do you hear that? She's like, oh, yeah, that's the neighbor. She, she, her husband beats her. And I'm like, you're not going to call the police? And they're like, they've called the police. The police can't do anything because she doesn't want to file anything against her husband. And I'm like, what? Well, her husband could literally kill her because she was screaming, crying. And they said they've, they've, they've gone there and they've seen, like, you know, marks over her eyes. And, like, she's been beaten, okay? Um, and she had kids. And her kids are seeing that. So divorce is not right. But if you're being beaten, your kids are seeing you being beaten, that's not, that's not God. Because what has happened is that your spouse, the Bible says that a man should love his wife as he loves himself. So if you love yourself, you're not going to beat your wife as a husband, because you love yourself, and you love her, and you love your kids, so you're not going to put your hands on her in a way that's not right, because if you do that, then you already come out of the lordship of the principles of marriage to begin with, you're not even under the principles of marriage, you're, you're already under your own principle by beating your, your wife, and if a, a wife is beating your husband, then you are not under the, under the uh, lordship of the principles of marriage, which is submit yourself under your husband, right? Um, honor your husband. If you, if, if you honor your husband, you're not going to slap your husband or beat your husband, right? So um, if you're a parent that is going through divorce, I would say really, really, really pray for your kids and really love on your kids, whatever reason it is that you're going through divorce. But if you can salvage the marriage, do everything to salvage it because the enemy loves kids that have gone through divorce. They feel rejected. The majority of kids that have gone through divorce are drug addicts um sex addicts they are in the porn industry in in um the sex industry okay they are you know drug dealers they are in the streets a lot of them because their parents have split apart because the foundation that they're supposed to uh look up to has been destroyed in right before their eyes and so uh and if you're somebody that's listening, I don't know why God is leading me to say this. If you're, if you're somebody that's listening and you're in an abusive relationship, don't think that you leaving your, your husband or you leaving your wife because you're abusive to you, you feel like you're going to die, like, like you literally your life is in danger or your kid's life are in danger. Don't feel like you, taking, you having a divorce is going to destroy your children. Because honestly, your children, your children are already hoping for that because they realize that their life is in danger and your life is in danger. So you're actually doing them a, a peaceful service by separating yourself from your abusive husband, if, if that's the case for you. Um, can people change? Yes, God can change anybody. But in the meantime, find a safe place for you and your kids and pray that the Lord will change the heart of your husband and help him to be a better man. And, you know, you never know. God could bring you back, you guys back together in the future when he has had gone through his own emotional um, healing from what happened to him as a child or what he's dealing with internally that he, he cannot let go. He can finally release it to the Lord and stop being angry and taking it out on you. Okay, I don't know who that's for, but you need to really listen and pray and seek, you know, wise counsel from from the church, okay? That's what leaders are there for. And I, I tell you this. A lot of leaders will be like, where is your bags? Okay? They will help you get out. But they will pray with you about it. 
because no leader want to see their 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 sheep's in danger. Okay, they don't want to see that. But if their marriage can be salvaged, if it's not a big deal, then yeah, they're gonna pray and help you guys salvage your marriage. Okay. Um, so right now, I just I just want to pray and and end this, and then um, the next episode is gonna be prayer for deliverance from uh, Jezebel spirit and from perversion spirit. Uh, before we pray, I want to say this Bible verse. It says Proverbs twenty two six: Train up a child in the way he should go, and that's concerning teaching him to seek God's wisdom, God's will for for his life um, and his purpose as well, okay? So that when he's old, he will not depart from it. So I want you to remember that. Father, I just thank you and I bless your holy name. We exalt you in this time and we ask you for your covering over these parents that are listening. I know that many of them are exhausted. Some of them are weary. Some of them don't know what you're doing. Some of them know what you're doing sometimes. Some of them know exactly what you're doing. But God, in any state that they are in, I just ask you that you will give them wisdom. You will give them revelation. You will give them insight, foresight, God. You will give them peace, patience, self-control. You will give them strength in places that they lack, they lack strength. That you will help them to look within themselves as, as, a, as a woman or a, a man that was in their age, in that age that their child is in, just put themselves in their child's shoes and really ask themselves, how were they when they were at that, at that age or at that child's age? I pray for unity in a relationship between mothers and daughters, mothers and sons. I pray for unity in the name of Jesus between fathers and sons and fathers and daughters. I just ask that, Lord, there will be uh, peace and there will be friendship. Yeah, friendship, God, among the parents and the children. Such friendship that they've never had before. I pray for understanding, God, in the family. I pray for understanding between parents and and daughters, parents and children uh, and sons, that as they uh, cultivate the relationship, that, Lord, there will be trust. There will be foundation of trust that will be there even for many ages to come, many years to come. Uh, I pray for those that have had issues with your kids. Uh, I just pray that, Lord, you will give them revelation, yeah. Give them insight into how to uh, come out of this, how to resolve this issue. I know that sometimes they might be uh, walking in their flesh or they might be uh, not understanding why they did what they did. But I just I pray for the spirit of guilt to just lift off, the, off of them in the name of Jesus. And the spirit of shame to lift off of them. And I pray for the spirit of humility upon these parents. That they will be humble enough to go before their kids and say, I'm sorry that I hurt you. I'm sorry for what I did or didn't do. I will do better. Help me to know how to do better by you. Help, teach me. Help me. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like. I just pray for restoration. Yeah, restoration, redemption of these relationships. Because you have entrusted them to have these kids, Lord. And many of them pray for these kids that they have now. So help them, re- help them remember the time that they prayed for what they have now. So they can take good care of it and actually uh, be, be thankful for it, God. Not be, be burdened by it, but be thankful for it, God. Um, and I pray for the teachers and the ministers that are under the care of these kids. That are 
leading these kids and teaching these kids and serving these kids and parents. I just ask you that, Lord, you will give them clarity and understanding and love and comfort and help the leaders know how to lead effectively, to be graceful leaders, to be humble leaders, to be leaders that are not self-centered, but to be caring and to walk in love and walk in security of you, God, knowing that you are the one that controls all. So help these leaders and these parents know that you are first Abba Father in everybody's life, in their lives and in the kids' lives. That they will always point the kids back to you, God, when they don't know what to do. When they do know what to do, they will say, let's ask Jesus because he knows what to do. So I pray for faith to ignite in the hearts of these kids and these parents. That relationship will be built, that it will not be crampled, that it will not be taken down by circumstances or issues or seasons, Lord. But they will be built on a firm foundation, which is you, the rock. You are our rock, Lord, that we build our house on. We don't build our house on sand. We don't build our, our house on flesh. We build our house on the rock of Jesus. So help us, help the parents and help all the leaders and help the church to know how to help lead parents that can be leaders for their kids because the kids are future leaders. They're even current leaders that are going to do great things for the future. So I thank you and I bless your holy name. I pray you seal this teaching with the blood of Jesus that those that listen to it, let it not fall on, 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 um, on sand, but let it fall on solid ground. That it will actually plant roots in them that they will be able to grow and even change how people parent from listening to this teaching and even change how they pray over their kids. Yeah, change how they pray over the kids and even help them to uh, lay hands on their kids, not be afraid. The man who had uh, a son with the deaf and dumb spirit came. He was desperate for his child. I pray for that same desperation upon, upon the, the children, upon, upon the, uh, the parents of these children, Lord. And even the man who, um, who had a servant that was sick, he had, had a child that was sick, he came to Jesus. And Jesus spoke and the child was made well. Let that faith happen in, in the parents that all you have to do is just speak it and your child will be made well. Just speak it and your child will be made well. I pray for authority in the mouth of the parents, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Righteous authority. Holy Spirit, fill them, fill the parents right now. In the name of Jesus, let the fire of God come upon them. In the name of Jesus, saturate them with the blood of Jesus. Infill them, every place in them that is empty. Fill the Holy Spirit, that they can go and impart the Holy Spirit in, in their children and on their children. Help them to have boldness, to, to have authority over the assignment of the enemy. And help them to speak purity over their kids. It says in Philippians 4, 8, that we are to speak of things that are above, speak, speak, you know, righteous things, pure things, Lord. Help them to speak great things over their kids, not curses, but speak great things. And those that have spoken curses over their kids, help them to pray and renounce them and destroy them, dismantle them, and pray in the favor of, over their kids, Lord. Help parents to see their kids how you see them, even when they're not acting right. Help them to still see them as the precious children that you've given them. And so I thank you and I bless this. Parents, in the name of Jesus, we do pray. And the leaders of the church as well. In Jesus' name, we do pray. Amen.
Love you all so much. Thank you so much for listening to Devoted today. And this song is by Maverick City. I hope that you enjoy it and you have a blessed day.